Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast, where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your hosts, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well tonight, Ed. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Great. Another busy week. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. Some of it is, is as you said, just there's no other word to describe it but crazy. Wild stuff, as Johnny Carson would say. Would say. Just today, out of the White House, a uh, story that uh, uh, President Biden has directed that the intelligence community redouble their efforts to determine the origin of COVID and report back in 90 days. Seems like just a year ago, people were making fun of anyone who questioned the origin of COVID. That's right, and calling them racist for even suggesting that it had come about other than by uh, the wet market, so to speak, theory of, of an, uh, jumping from an animal to a human. And now uh, I see where Dr. Fauci has uh, said that he does he can't say it didn't ha- it wasn't based on a, a leak from a lab. It's, it's quite interesting that uh, the news media uh, excoriated the previous uh, president uh, for suggesting that the intelligence community find out how it got started, and uh, and they're applauding now the Biden community the Biden. Uh, administration's attempt to have them redouble their efforts, air quotes. And of course, as, as you know, um, investigations are what the intelligence community does. You don't have to tell them to do it. Um, so, you know, it seems a little, uh, almost a little uh, virtue signaling type uh, effort on their part to say redouble your efforts. And of course, back in, in April, excuse me, of last year, the intelligence community had indicated that uh, they believed that it had come about differently than from an animal. Uh, and, of course, uh, that was, um, as you said, uh, just kind of laughed out of court, so to speak. And apparently there was some type of inquiry or investigation that was already proceeding when Biden took office, and he canceled it. That's right. He put the kibosh on it. But what's funny is how this story has just gained momentum over the last, I don't know, six weeks or two months. Uh you sent me a story. It was a, a couple of months ago by the um, the atomic scientists, the ones who do the the countdown clock to midnight. Mm-hmm. Very detailed, very scientific exploration of the question. Yeah, that was and sort of technical. It, it, it was very technical, and so I had to go find something I could understand. <laughs> uh, and I found uh, another article by I think it was on um, Real Clear uh, Politics, maybe by Cheryl Atkinson that it broke was. it down a little bit. That's exactly um, what it was. And you sent that then, to me. Yeah, but then after that, there was there have been several other articles that have come out that have started questioning this. And just this week, the Wall Street Journal had a piece that even before the first known origins of COVID, three scientists had been hospitalized with similar s- symptoms in the area. Yeah, like in, in, in the fall, like November, maybe. Yeah, in November. So this story has just picked up more and more momentum. I think the Biden administration is completely reactive to it. I think that's the only reason they ordered it now. They're on their back uh, back foot, so to speak, um, and backpedaling hard. Um, and and I saw, um, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, Dr. Fauci was catching grief, and rightly so, from um, some senators and, and some testimony before a Senate committee, I don't know which one, um, specifically with regard to the Chinese connection to the WHO. And uh, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana uh, asked him, uh, wouldn't he agree with Senator Kennedy that if you turned uh, the um, 
the president of China, President, I guess it's Xi or Xi, uh, upside down and shook him, wouldn't the World Health Organization fall out of his pocket? And Fauci demurred, uh, of course. Um, Senator Kennedy has a way with words. He does. He is just priceless. Um, and and I also saw earlier, I think it was earlier today, it may have been last night, there is a move afoot in the Congress. And I, th- I can't remember if this was Rand Paul or if it was someone in the House had uh, put forth a bill to say that no taxpayer dollars should go towards funding the and, and you'll have to remind me of the term the, um, the gain of, of function research right the gain of function which is the the dangerous research that they were doing at the Wuhan lab and uh, Dr Fauci as head of the NIAID I think is what it is it's it's some subgroup in NIH I think had had given tax money to the, the Wuhan Virology Lab prior to COVID to do that type of research on coronaviruses. Um, and, of course, he's he's danced around that a number of times, denied it. And, and then earlier, I don't know if it's, as I said, it was sometime this week, I think, um, he was backpedaling on that and was saying, well, you know, I can't really, I can't say for sure, but I can't deny it and that kind of thing. Um, and that seems to be gaining some traction as well. Um, Fauci's another person that has a way with words. They just, uh, they're not always very accurate. No, and, and you know, early on, I tended to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, well, he's shooting from the hip. Everything about this is new. You know, he's just making mistakes or or saying what he believes. And then it turns out his theories are wrong. But it's gotten to the point now where I I don't I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Not that it matters what I do, but, you know, I, I just think the man can't tell the truth if he had to. Uh, well, and, and also, you know, even giving him the benefit of the doubt, yeah. if he just didn't sound so positive about everything he's saying. That's right. That's right. I mean, he's he's so uh, black and white on, on these questions, and then he turns around and changes his mind, and he, he doesn't explain why. I think he's power hungry, um, and and I think that this, this, uh, this stuff about children now being susceptible to the coronavirus and needing the vaccine – when he was so adamant early on that children couldn't get it, and now he is, I think it's just about trying to keep this going. And, uh, you know, early on, he was anti-mask. He and the mainstream media made fun of anyone who thought masks were necessary or helpful even. And then, of course, he became a champion of masks. And now, you know, many states have uh, abolished the mask mandates, um, but some haven't. And, um, you know, where's Fauci on that? It's either they all ought to come off or they all ought to go on. This this business of some do, some don't is completely illogical to my mind. Yeah, and it doesn't help to uh, to encourage people to get a vaccine, but then to take the position nothing's going to change when you get it. That's right. I, I do think there's been some serious movement just over the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, a lot of private where a lot of stores, a lot of private industries still requiring masks and, and certainly indoors and healthcare industries might have different positions. But you're seeing those those rapidly go by the wayside, at least in our part of the country. That's right. Um, the only place that I've had to wear one uh, in the last two weeks or so is at the courthouse. Otherwise, you know, I haven't had to wear one at all. Uh, and it's been nice not to not to have to do that. And, you know, the thing about the uh, the bill that's been introduced on Congress, which would limit 
NIH funding on gain of function research. It's as great as far as it goes, but you know, as you know, money is fungible. And what we mean by that is that if an organization in China or anywhere else in the world, if they get half a million dollars and they're told, okay, don't use it for gain of function, well, they can put it into another program and just divert the funds from that other program into gain of function. That's right. It's all a big pool of money. That's right. It's, a, it's, it's a all chess, spendable. It's a it's a um, you know a chess game, um, one of those uh, shell game kind of situations where you know uh, if you give them the money, you've increased the budget, and they'll just move the money from another source, and they comply with your laws and still accomplish what everything they wanted to accomplish. So I'm really looking forward to 90 days from now getting a really good in depth study from the American intelligence community on where COVID came from. And that assumes we'll hear the truth. You know, the, the thing that I've come to, I guess, accept during this whole pandemic situation, and maybe I'm become lunatic fringe, but I just don't trust our government a great deal anymore. The era that we grew up in, you know, the, the one group, at least from my perspective, that you knew was rock solid, always do the right thing was the FBI. And now, uh, you know, I just, I wouldn't believe anything they said. And the same holds true for other areas of the government. And it's, it's, it's a shame and it's sad. And of course, that assumes that they are even able to access information. I think the big problem here is no matter how honest or how well-intentioned whatever representatives are on this, they're hamstrung. China hasn't cooperated from the beginning. If there was evidence at the time, it's probably not there anymore. That's right. And and um, there, I saw where there, uh, Jen Saki was suggesting or, or maybe even reporting um, today that the, the Biden administration was was um, calling for the World Health Organization to 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 conduct the air quotes investigation into the source of the coronavirus um, or COVID or whatever you want to call it. And um, of course, the WHO was hand in hand with China early on and was minimizing this and putting out what turned out to be incorrect information on not only what to do, but what not to do, how to deal with it. Um, and, and I certainly would not believe anything that the World Health Organization says, uh, particularly as it relates to China and the coronavirus of 2019-2020. Uh, and by the way, while we're talking about China, what did you think about the video of John Cena apologizing to the People's Republic of China for a, a misstatement he made in a, uh, I guess, a television interview or a radio interview? I, I had a, a couple of thoughts. One, I, I thought it was pathetic because he, he was right when he said Taiwan is a country. Um, and I think it is proof positive that Hollywood, if you will, uh, the entertainment industry is uh, controlled via the almighty dollar by the Chinese government. And, you know, we know that the NBA is, um, and we've seen that, um, and and people have, have talked about, you know, uh, one of whom is you know, Nick Searcy, um, who uh, is a fellow alum of yours of uh, the uh, the UNC um, and is a, an actor and a director. Uh, he's been saying for some time that uh, it's all controlled by uh, by the Chinese, but Turns out, you know, they're right. Um, and Disney and the movie industry is, I mean, the Chinese, uh, if you want to make money in our country, and there's a lot to be made, 
You're going to do it our way and you're going to say what we want to say and you're not going to offend us. And if you do, you're done. And I wondered how John Sena was speaking Mandarin, but I went, what I read is that he was actually sent to China at some point as an ambassador for the wrestling organization. He started learning Mandarin years ago because they were trying to tap into that market. Wow. Is he, does he still wrestle? I have no idea. Because I, I guess he's an actor too, uh, which is why he was given this interview. But, um, and also noticed he, uh, it looked to me like in in the video where he apologized, he's coloring his hair. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I shouldn't comment on that, but um, it's like, John, you you know, you're getting up there, buddy. You need to accept that. Also this week, uh, the U.S. House passed a, uh, a bill to establish a commission to look into January 6th events. What did you think about that? I guess I I, I think, um, well, as you know, the Republicans are against it unless they're, 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 uh, they have the, this commission would have the authority and the obligation to also look into uh, the riots that have been going on for basically a year now, maybe even a little longer if, in Portland. Um, the Democrats don't want to do that, and the Republicans are kind of digging in their heels. Uh, Mansion and Cinema, as I understand it, are kind of the swing votes, of course, in the Senate. And I saw earlier today that the police officer who died at the um, at the Capitol on January the sixth from a stroke, which was not related to the lawlessness that was occurring there on that date, his mother came out and uh, asked that any senator or congressman, and I don't know why she said congressman or, or congresspeople. Um, who is opposed to the commission, she would like to sit down and have them explain that to her. And she then made some comment about wanting them to go to Arlington to visit her son's grave. And, of course, that's, to my mind, a, a red herring. I mean, he died from a stroke, and it's, it's awful. It's sad. It's a tragedy. But it wasn't related to the, what was going on. And so, you know, it just throws the, the, the sympathy issue, an emotional issue, into this issue about the commission. And of course, you know, the, the fear is that the commission will be rigged from the start and then it'll lead to a witch hunt. And I think it probably would. I mean, it'll be stacked in their favor um, and they have a script and that's what they'll find. Well, I think that's what Senator McConnell's position was. And this is what he had to say. Law enforcement investigations are ongoing and federal authorities say they expect to arrest at least a hundred or so more. Bipartisan investigations are also underway and have been for months at the committee level here in the Senate. So there is, has been, and there will continue to be no shortage, no shortage of robust investigations by two separate branches of the federal government. So, Mr. President, it's not at all clear what new facts or additional investigation yet another commission could actually lay on top of existing efforts by law enforcement and Congress. The facts have come out, and they'll continue to come out. What is clear is that House Democrats have handled this proposal in partisan bad faith, going right back to the beginning. Yeah, you know, he basically said, 
we've already got multiple investigations going on. Why do we need another one? Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing it, to me is with all the clamor, a lot of it, in my opinion, is probably uh, on point, at least to some extent, about, uh, for instance, the video from Elizabeth City. Uh, things like that. Um, you know, I, I guess those of us who believe that sunshine truly is the best antiseptic and uh, believe that most governmental uh, acts and, and evidence thereof needs to be made public sooner rather than later. The officer who shot the demonstrator, rioter, whatever you want to call her, um, and killed her has to this day not been identified. And apparently is never going to be. Um, and, and that's odd to me, you know, if it was justified, I'm not saying and it wasn't, it's, but it's entirely it, possible that yeah, it was. Justified. Absolutely. I mean, she's, you know, she's breaking into that, that, but at um, this point she was the only death directly related to that's right. January 6th. And we know she was unarmed. Now I have heard, and I don't know whether this is just, uh, you know, vicious internet rumor that the officer who shot her, was one of the ones who was involved in the the shooting of the congressman from uh, New Orleans at the baseball field. Stephen Scalise. Scalise. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. I have no, but, but I heard that. Those officers performed heroically and admirably on that occasion, and they may well have done so on this. Um, it's just interesting that we don't know who pulled the trigger. We don't know exactly why. I mean, why she got shot as opposed to others who... Who um, who were there and doing things, and why there were officers, armed officers behind her when he fired, and they were not engaging. Um, and then the the issue with the fire discipline is shooting you know in the direction of of, of other law enforcement. So, um, you know, I think there's more to come on this, and and I think it's uh, uh, there are a lot of interesting pieces. Well, I think so, and th- those are valid questions to be asked. I think it's always appropriate to do some type of after-action review when you have a major event. Uh, we've talked about January 6th before, and you know my thoughts that were a lot of people who weren't necessarily involved in criminal activities, but there were a bunch of criminals there, and they should all be locked up and treated the same. That's right. But, but, but um, you know, the, the, uh, most, if not all, of the folks arrested in the various riots have had their charges dropped, and a number yeah. of the January 6th, trespassers or rioters or both, uh, not only are they um, not having their charges dropped, but they're being held in solitary confinement. You know, they're, they can't even get a bond that they can make. Um, and, and there again, you know, the uh, the criticism is that there are two systems of justice in this country. And, well, and the bigger question, I think, has to do with what's the best way to look at this? There's valid security questions that should be answered. And I would think the Capitol Police wants to answer those so they can do better next time. There are valid questions about permanent physical security, about use of the National Guard, about rules for the use of force. But is a congressional commission the best way to look into that mm-hmm. or to let some professionals actually put together the information that people need to know? I, I, yeah, I think you're right. And I think the the professionals ought to do it. They ought to do it, as you said, with some sort of after action report. Otherwise, how are you going to learn? Um, and how you're going to improve. And then, you know, if Congress wants to delve into what they find, then Congress has that prerogative. But uh, the, the the notion that the Congress or a congressional committee would do the uh, initial um, AR after action report, that kind of thing, eh, it doesn't doesn't sit well with me. 
because they're not experts, and there are experts out there who would not politicize it, you know, who would, who would down the line, call it like they see it. Here, here's what went right. Here's what went wrong. Here's why. This is what happened. This is what we need to do in the future. This is what we did well, um, that kind of thing. And by the way, the National Guard mission there came to an end, or is, is coming to an end. I'm not sure which, but it's about over. But I did hear, I did see stories that the, the guards were wrapping. Right, no more uniformed soldiers performing police type security efforts in in Washington D.C. Four and a half months later. Yeah, yeah. That's all been interesting stuff. Very um, much. You know, I don't know if you saw it, but Portland had a huge riot last night. I did. It was the one I year guess, anniversary of them trying to burn down the Justice Center or whatever they call it, and they tried to do it again. Mm-hmm. And nobody. And of course, they've probably done it 300 times over oh, the yeah. last year that just doesn't make the news. And I saw where the uh, the murder rate is up in all these large cities, particularly the ones that have been defunding the police. I mean, some places as much as 800 uh, percent over last year this time. It's just unbelievable. And uh, and it's almost all crime across the board, not just murder. That's right. It, it, that's just the. The crime, shootings, murder, everything is, is up in so many urban areas. I saw earlier this week, I think it was Walgreens, had closed 17 stores in the Los Angeles area because they could not afford to keep them open when, with so much theft going on and the law enforcement DA's office uh, not prosecuting, uh, you know, misdemeanor theft, shoplifting, that kind of thing. And, you know, that's not occurring in the fancy parts, you know, Bel Air and places like that. It's occurring in poor neighborhoods. And and so those, you know, where are those people going to then go to get, um, you know, things that they need from the drugstore? Um, and they're going to have to go farther. And how are they going to do that? What does it do to prices? You know, all these unintended consequences that folks don't don't think about. But But then reality gets and it hurts. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, uh, and I'll say, you know, especially for more educated people, people have more resources. They've worked from home for the last year. They've done okay. For cryptocurrency traders, they've had an interesting ride. Uh, But for the marginalized people in society, how is their life better than it was a year ago? Or even even more to the point, uh, let's go a little bit further before the pandemic. Say January first of twenty twenty, how is their life better? It's not it's much worse. worse. Yeah, absolutely, and, and in 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 identifiable and quantifiable ways, um, and and it's 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 sad, uh, and it's not being talked about in the national media. Um, you know, the child suicide rates are are up tremendously because people, you know, because of the lockdowns, and I guess it's close to becoming another epidemic you know the, the way this has harmed people and continues to harm people uh, i was talking to a man uh, this afternoon who has uh, children in los angeles and he hasn't seen them in 18 months and uh, and i was you know we were, i was talking to a fellow earlier today about the ncaa baseball tournament stanford is the only team that is going to be able to in california that's that's been picked to host a regional not because Southern Cal and UCLA, San Diego State, those teams in Southern California might not deserve it. Certainly UCLA would, but because they can't, because of the mask mandates, because of the lockdowns that are still in effect, they simply can't. 
Um, and, you know, that's not a huge economic impact, but it is some, but it's, it's just indicative of the, frankly, the foolishness on the part of the governor of California and the mayor of L.A. in particular. Although, from what I read, the mayor of L.A. may not be the mayor very long. He's uh, likely to be tapped as the ambassador to India by the Biden administration. Right. And I don't know who might follow him and, and, uh, and what that person, uh, from a policy standpoint, might do or not do. I would suspect that person would be uh, similarly inclined as um, Mayor Garcetti. Um, How is Stanford of, able to host? Stanford is, is north. It's in Palo Alto, okay. which is uh, not lower far, so COVID nor- numbers in there. I guess, and it's a little more, um, perhaps a little more suburban is the way to say it than than LA, and and probably not quite as blue. Although you know, uh, is California? It's not far from from. It's not all that far from San Francisco. I guess I, I'm not sure. Palo. Uh, I guess they just don't have quite the same uh, rules is the, better, is, the, is the only way to say it. Terrible cr- crime problems out there. Yeah, Bernard Carrick was talking about um, the uh, uh, the boardwalk, for lack of a better term, at Venice Beach, which was supposed to be some really nice, from a scenery standpoint, place with a lot of, you know, air quotes, beautiful people skateboarding and doing all kinds of things. And now it's just a... It's a homeless tent city, and crime is rampant. And there, you, know, you can get on the internet and see the uh, the CCTV images of of fights and robberies and things like that, just all the time, almost. Um, in this place that used to be a kind of a a gathering point, if you will, for lots of different people doing lots of different things and having a good time and enjoying themselves and sort of being free. And now they're not only they're not free, but they're not safe. But it seems like that the mayor might not be the biggest problem as much as the district attorney out there. Yeah, he's, he's taken a, a strong stance. Some crimes he just won't even prosecute anymore. Yeah. Death penalty is completely off the table. Uh, I can imagine that that police officers or all law enforcement officers in that area just feel stabbed in the back. Yeah, they've had the, they've had the, the rug pulled out from under them, and and uh, they're into this restorative justice mess and. Don't know exactly what that means, but basically what it means is they don't prosecute people, and when they do, they don't prosecute them very sternly, and 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 oftentimes there are no uh, consequences uh, in terms of you know convictions or sentences, or certainly not jail time, and uh, and then when there are, there it's a probationary kind of thing, and it's um it's just not good. It's you know human nature is such that um you know if you're weak. The bad guys, be they a nation state, a gang, or an individual, is going to take advantage of that weakness. And if you show fear, if you show weakness, if you if you show a lack of resolve, they're going to take advantage of it. You know, the old saw about nature abhors a vacuum is absolutely true, even in the criminal justice system. Yeah. All right, hey, let's talk about something more interesting. Or let's talk about something more fun. How about that? Or both. Or both, yeah. Did you uh, did you watch the PGA Championship? I did. Uh, I, I did not see the first three days, but I did tune in for the last nine holes, which well, I think you, was that's really, what you needed to see. That, that was the most important part. It was great. Yeah, it's, I I just can't I can't get my head around the fact that the man's almost fifty one years old. Yeah, and I have this clip from uh, from Phil Mickelson, which we'll insert here. Phil, thank you. You told us yesterday you couldn't let yourself get there until you got it done today. 50 years, 11 months, seven days. You are the oldest major champion in history. Thank you. Yeah. So now. 
that you have accomplished that feat with your brother Tim on the bag, you can go there and you can take us with you. Tell us how this feels. I mean, this is just an incredible feeling because I, I just believed that, that it was possible, but yet everything was saying it wasn't. And I, I hope that um, others find that inspiration. It might take a little extra work, a little bit harder effort to maintain uh, physically or maintain the, the skills. But gosh, is it worth it uh, in the end? And I, I'm uh, so appreciative to be holding this Wanamaker trophy. You know, I, I really liked the way he talked about it. It was about hard work. Yeah. That's what really caught my attention. That's why I wanted to hear that. And that message is missing in today's world. Yeah, not just in sports, but oh, in yeah. life in general. Life in general, academics, um, employment. I mean, I, I assume you guys are having the same problem that we see here, that you can't get people to work. Um, you know, uh, we have restaurants that are either drive-in only or they're having to close, um, you know, a location because they can't get enough people to work. They have the business. They have the money to pay them. They just can't get employed. My observation is that if you drive down the street and we're in an area with lots of fast food and convenience stores and everyone has a sign outside now hiring, people are doing just open interviews days of the week. People just show up. Yeah, just come come talk to me. The, some of them even putting their, their wage rates right on the sign. And I'm seeing $11, $15 an hour at fast food places because yeah. they're desperate to have people. That's right. And I saw where maybe Chipotle was going to start at 15 an hour and McDonald's and they're offering educational uh, assistance. I saw, and I don't remember which one was going to pay $5,200 towards college uh, for employees. And some are offering sign-on bonuses. But. And of course there's been a lot of conversation that the enhanced unemployment benefits from last year have affected a lot of people getting back in the workplace. Some states are now terminating those benefits or using the money to offer bonuses for people who go back to work. I'm sure that's some people. I don't think it's everybody. I think there are people who have been rattled by the pandemic. I think there are people who made the logical decision that if they can make $300 a week extra and collect unemployment, that's that was the smart thing to, for them to do. Right. I mean. Uh, but it's time to get past that. And, you know, Phil Mickelson talking about working harder is a – Good inspiration for people. Yeah, it, it was timely. Okay, one question for you, and I threw this to you a few days ago. Yeah, and I didn't understand. Okay, well, maybe you'll get it now, and you may not have an answer now. Name a sporting event that you consider momentous or most significant or, or very significant. I'll let you define it. Wow. Well, I, I think you'd have to you'd have to say that the uh, 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team um, would certainly be a candidate. Um, I, I think the uh, uh, sort of near and dear to your heart and mine, the uh, the 04 Red Sox um, ending the curse of the Bambino, uh, particularly after being down 03 to the Yankees. Yeah, those um, are those are good ones. You'd have to say. Um, Mm. Um, trying to think football and basketball. Uh, I mean, I guess the Patriots went in, what, this is six, six Super Bowls or something. Tom Brady winning at whatever age he is, 43 or whatever. Uh, oh, it may have been more significant that he left a championship team, went to a team which was far below championship caliber, and did it all again at that age. Yeah, and took, took, took them kind of on his back. Yeah. 
his first year. Um, and then basketball, gee, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess basketball, you know, I, you know, John Wooden's record at UCLA is just something that's, it's hard Probably to never be broken. Yeah, I mean, you just can't get your head around that. And it, people say, well, it's different. And it was. I mean, you had one team basically from each conference making the tournament, you know, so you didn't have to beat as many teams. But it's on the other hand, the tournament. you had to make the tournament. That's right. And, um, you know, he, he the interesting thing about Wooden to me is he, he won in different ways. You know, he had his first team and there was nobody on the team taller than 6'5", and they played that full court press. And then he had, you know, the, probably the two best big men of the last, well, certainly since Wilt Chamberlain, and then he had Kareem, and uh, although he wasn't Kareem then, and, and Walton. Um, you know, that's just amazing to me that he was able to do that in different ways. Uh, and he won, what, he won 10 or 11 titles total and seven in a row or something? I mean, it's just just Yeah, amazing. I think it was 10. So, it was 10. Tell, here is mine for okay, what yeah. it's worth. I think it is Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile in 1954 because you know, it hadn't been done for – people were trying to do it. And this guy was a doctor. He wasn't a professional runner. No. Although he was a great runner. Yeah. He breaks the four-minute mile just barely by six-tenths of a, a second. And then that record lasts for 46 days and somebody else does it. That's since right. then, Since then, over 1,400 people have run a mile in less than four minutes. Whereas in the scope of history, recording runs before that, nobody did it. Right. It was almost like it was a mental hurdle. Um, yeah. and, and once he did it, you know, everybody said it's doable. And then they did it, too. And you're right. And that is, as you know, that is flying to run a mile yeah, under four minutes yeah, is. is unbelievable. The new record now, three minutes, 43 seconds. And that might get broken at the Olympics this summer. Yeah, if they um, have it. Yeah, if they have it. And I'm looking Spe- forward to it. Speaking of the Olympics, I, I guess it's 58 days from the start of the Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Japan is still suffering from uh, high COVID uh, rates. Their vaccination rate's only about 5%. So there's some question whether we'll see the Olympics. Why do you think that their vaccination rate is so low? I don't know. I, I haven't heard anybody say. And, you know, they, they historically... Uh, the Japanese people have worn masks for years uh, to protect themselves against all kinds of germs and whatnot. So you would think that they would be probably more pro uh, prophylactic methods to stop the coronavirus than perhaps, you know, this country or other countries. But 5% is... Well, and you got to wonder if it's something cultural that we don't understand uh, or if their public health system isn't dis- set up to distribute. I, I really don't know. Yeah. And you would think because they're a, they're a rich nation um, and a well-educated nation uh, that, that, that they would have a, a system uh, and, and would be accepting of public health and, and, and so forth. It's, it's fascinating. And I'm sure somebody will – Run that down and, and publish it in some fashion, but it's 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 amazing. So that's that's really what we had for uh, today. But you know, don't want to let it go past that Memorial Day is this weekend. We certainly remember and respect the sacrifices of all of our troops over the years. Absolutely. I saw uh, so today uh, uh, an interesting post on Twitter, and it's uh, it was reminding people that. 
there are a lot of folks who who paid that price over a long period of time. Um, it's not just the recent guys, and this went back to the revolution. And I had a picture of Crispus Attucks, and he is considered he was killed at the Boston Massacre, and he's considered to be the first casualty of the American Revolution. So the first, I guess, American war did, for lack of a better term. Um, and that's a kind of a sobering thought. Absolutely. And as you know, Memorial Day is hard on a lot of people. It's not just a a time to begin the summer grilling season that it's become. And that doesn't mean it's wrong to engage in, you know, fun and, 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 and so forth on your day off, but it is important to remember why we have that day off. Very well said. So I'll cue the uh, radar sound effect now and just ask what's on your radar for the next week as we bring this show to a close. Well, um, obviously the, the, the investigation with regard to the coronavirus and its origins, because um, I think that will continue to to bubble and, and, and percolate. Um, I think um, the uh, I saw earlier today uh, in the New York Post, I think I sent it to you, I don't remember, um, there's a story about the pre- now president, then Vice President Joe Biden, meeting with Hunter Biden's business associates from Eastern Bloc countries, Russia and China, during the time he was vice president. And as you know, he's claimed not to know it, not to have known details with regard to Hunter's activities in the business world. And um, you know, that came from the Hunter Biden laptop that news media told us was was. Uh, was fake news and, and was Russian disinformation. And, of course, you know, the, the facts are it was not. Uh, it was just said to be to give the, or to blunt whatever political effect the truth would have had uh, in November. And I can't help but think if that were Don Jr. and, and his father, somebody would probably be in prison already. Um, I saw uh, as well um, a story that said um, that a number of, they used the term co-conspirators of Jeffrey Epstein and, and I don't know how to pronounce her name, Ghislaine Maxwell, have flipped and are prepared to testify against her in her trial that's upcoming. I don't know when, even if they have a date yet, but I saw that. I think that'll be interesting. And uh, that's uh, that's sort of where I am. Uh, how about you? You know, just, just one thing. uh I guess it's on my mind is kind of what's going to happen next, because I kind of feel like we're waiting on the next big thing to fall. And I don't know what that's going to be, whether it's we seem to be moving back to normal events post pandemic. But I I just feel like there's going to be something major that happens. I don't know if it has to do with South Korea, North Korea, Russia with this upcoming summit, as they're calling it. Another story about Biden or the COVID virus. I'm just waiting to see what happens this week. You think something's over the horizon? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I, I guess you saw where the uh, Kim Jong Un, I think, is the leader of North Korea, and he has banned mullets and skinny jeans. I did see that. Uh, that may be a good decision. For yeah, I, I think we should applaud him for that. So, yeah, and I say that tongue in cheek, but. Interesting times we live in, my friend. Yes, it is. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can contact us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe on your podcast provider and leave us a review. 
As we go into this Memorial Day weekend, please remember the troops. Well said.